0: You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk Back program.
1: Folks, up next, Bruce Coburn.
2: Step deeper Into darkness Closer to the light.
1: Well, on the heels of his 12th Juno Award, Best Roots in Traditional Album, Vision TV presents Pacing the Cage, an intimate look at the legendary Canadian singer, songwriter, and activist on Friday, May 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. In 2008, Canadian music icon Bruce Coburn set out on tour to make a live solo album, Slice O' Life. Man, one of the best, really. Cameras followed the man whose legacy includes songs like Wonder Where the Lions Are, If I Had a Rocket Launcher, and If a Tree Falls, as he performed to sold-out crowds in benefit concerts across North America. Lots more about this man can be said, but instead, let's talk to him. Bruce, how are you? (laughs) I'm
3: pretty well, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Very well. Thanks for joining us again on the uh, on the show, and congratulations, uh, Papa! (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Iona is now. Let me think. Now is four or five months.
3: She's yeah, just under five months.
1: Man, you know, you for a guy who said the road is home, in the the context of where you feel the most natural, um, you just had a baby.
3: (laughs) It's a paradox. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: gee, the, gee, and there's a surprise talking to Bruce Coburn. Second chance at fatherhood. Um, I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I think I like. You know, my I've got a 23 year old and 19 year old, and I I just wonder how. Like, I've got to be saving a lot of money up just for their therapy. <laughs> I, I've screwed them up in so many ways. Uh, second chance at fatherhood. You know, I, it, it must be terrifying and yet and yet gratifying. Or not. That's probably not the right, right word. Gratifying, but.
3: Well, it's closer to that than terrifying, actually, at this point. They, and the first time around was much more terrifying. Really? Yeah, because it was an unknown and because I was young and worried about more stuff and, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. But at this point, I mean, of course, there's all sorts of uh, uh, unfortunate and unwanted things that could happen. And, and, you know, you know that going into it, but that's life and you take your chances. Um but, uh, the, um, the, the fact of being a father sort of doesn't hold the same sort of app- uh, apprehension or what's the word, um, dread maybe <laughs> for me as it, that it that it did in the beginning, you know, because, uh, be, partly because I've already done it once and partly because, uh, I'm, yeah you know, I'm a lower person than I was when I was in my thirties and, uh, it's, uh, you know it's still hard As i mean it would be just as hard for young parents in fact probably harder it's it the first year of having a kid is a hard year and i think everybody experiences that that way it, not because you know i mean our daughter happens to be free of colic and she's a great little kid and and there's no problems in that regard but um you know the change in in your lifestyle is severe and um you know i think my girlfriend's probably more affected by that than i am uh because she's because she hasn't done it before mm-hmm. but uh but it's um yeah it's a big deal but at the same time the the it's so much fun i mean the, the baby is so much fun and the and the the state of i suppose like anything that extreme it takes your mind off everything else yeah uh, so, in a certain way, you get away free from certain other worries that you might have, just because you're so totally absorbed in in the act of, um, you know, keeping the kid in a in a good state for for the first few months of its existence.
1: I find that uh, children uh, make your narcissism leak.
3: Yes, they definitely <laughs> they poke holes in that big time, because <laughs> they have their own, of course. I mean, that you know, in their life, the world is all about them. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that actually uh, you have to be careful of because they take on, I mean, at this stage with, you know, four and a half months, I don't think uh, I is going to take on too much of anything bad. But but a little bit later when when she reaches a point where she can kind of put two and two together, uh, as with my, my older daughter, I have a daughter who's 35 who has three kids of her own, and she turned out great in spite of everything, uh, but... You know, her mom and I got divorced when she was three and a half, and she took that on big time because it was all about her. You know, so there's a as, at the same time as this, there's the sort of the amusingly egotistical uh, aspect of, uh, I mean, the amusing in a kid that age, uh, egotistical aspect of everything being about them. There's also the downside, which is everything, anything bad that happens is also about them yeah. and down to them, and and uh, you want to try to avoid. Uh,
1: that as much as possible. So when Iona picks up a little uh, Mickey Mouse guitar and comes into the room while you're practicing, are you going to snap at her?
3: I sure hope not. <laughs> you know, you're citing, of course, a, a, an event that I was describing at one point. I guess I, did I say that in the film that the, the uh, yeah um, pacing the cage? That, yeah, it's, it's uh, it was a, it's a point of regret with me that I wasn't more um, open to her just participating in that kind of way, and and. Uh, I certainly hope I don't act like that with Iona. I don't think I will. I think that's one of the things that age has cured me of in a way, is being taking myself that seriously.
1: Yeah, and that's another quote. I mean, I think Bernie Finkelstein, your you know your your longtime friend and manager, said, uh, you know, uh, Bruce takes his causes seriously, his music seriously, but he doesn't take himself seriously. And, and maybe I don't know. It's that's part you, but it's also that's uh, very Canadian as well. I think.
3: It's it's yeah. I mean, it's part of the the uh, stereotype of the Canadian character. I'm not sure that all Canadians adhere to it exactly. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> that took themselves very seriously, myself as a younger man. But but uh, but it's still yeah. There's a I think that Canada has uh, we we still approach ourselves with a bit of humility. I think as a as a nation, and uh, I think that's a wise thing. I hope we don't lose.
1: You know, uh, this, this, uh, I guess, so what are we calling it? A documentary on, on you pacing the cage is coming out on vision. Boy, uh, they, they cover all aspects of you. And I, I just want to highlight a few things here, uh, Bruce, uh, obviously, you know, is spiritually or who you are as a person, dude, you are, you're more restless than I am. And I'm, I am exhausted because I'm exhausted from my restlessness. I mean, I've, I've been a spiritual battler my entire life and, and, uh, and and I wonder, that restlessness, I mean, I think of you, I think of Mark Hurd, who, now, help me understand this, right, closer to the light, did that have anything to do with Mark Hurd? Yeah, the
3: song, uh, I wrote that song uh, upon his death, and um, it, I didn't know Mark all that well. I, I appreciated him, I, I liked him the, to the extent that I did know him, um, but uh, um, he was sort of Something that I shared with a whole lot of people that, that uh, I was perhaps closer to than mark, and, and when Mark went, uh, he left a big hole hmm. and this the song is really, I suppose, if anything, addressing that you know but, it, but or at least the, the feeling from which the song sprang was that feeling and um, of course, uh, you know any, as with any song, people who hear it uh, put, put it in their own context, and um, so anybody who's lost. Someone uh will maybe relate it to to that person that they've lost, and that's that's as it should be but um it's um it's um yeah mark mark was a was an excellent songwriter and and uh, seemed like a pretty good guy sure but
1: but the, i mean the connecting piece for me is his restlessness that's what i uh gravitated mm-hmm. to that's what I've gravitated to with you uh, with a gentleman named martin Joseph from Wales. Um, and I just, you know, I don't even, I haven't even worded this question properly yet, but I'm just wondering, you know, when will that ever end? Like, are you and I going to just finally shut up and be at peace?
3: Well, I, I, I assume that eventually that will happen one way or another. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, um, uh, I think that that the peace of God that passes all understanding is out there waiting for us, but it, but whether we'll get to it in in these bodies, who knows um, but uh it's it's offered that way, and uh, in theory, that means that it's possible to to uh, receive that in these bodies. I'm terrified of 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 being
1: in love with seeking so much that I don't allow myself to find.
3: Well, that's that's a pathological problem that I think you're not alone in facing, but but uh, because you can get addicted to to the uh, the rootlessness, I suppose is the way to put it, but um, but I, I, you know, I, I and I think I suffer from that too. I think, but what what that comes down to for me is that whether it's a you know the chicken or the egg, I don't know, but I have a great degree of mistrust i have a, i have a mistrust of authority i have a mistrust of uh of um, things i don't know intimately and and you know i have a mistrust that if it, 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 it takes the form of uh okay god you know i'm here for you and you're here for me but uh but i don't want to go all the way there because you might ask something of me that i'm not you're not capable of giving or don't want to give so uh, you know i I I hold myself back from that piece because of that. Yeah. And and I'm working on that. And then eventually I think that God has. I mean, we believe that God's all powerful and can get anywhere he wants and do anything he wants. So, you know, if he wants to, he's going to squash that in me. But I I just hope I don't make him do it too badly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, with spiritual frustration, if I could. That's probably a lousy way to describe it, but, you know, leave it there. Spiritual frustration why haven't you quit quit what um uh, life? <laughs> no 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 just you uh, know chicken <laughs> yeah. but you know being being the seeker i mean you know be, people have used that word to describe you uh you know you you, you reek of uh, of spiritual um you know you have this spiritual gps in you that just doesn't seem to shut off and, and speaking of seeking, that's a,
3: there's a phrase, there's a song in there somewhere. Um, it, well, you know, I I'm I get bored for one thing. That's one of the reasons I, that I'm as restless as I am. I I just you know if I stay with the same thing too long, it gets boring. But I, but I think the reason it gets boring is that you realize that that whatever it is that's at the root of all of our searching for anything, right? Uh, I mean, you might think that you're searching for happiness, you might think that you're searching for a sense of your place in the grand scheme of things, which is maybe something like what I'm after, uh, a, a, a kind of understanding of how I fit. And, you know, I mean, I get attracted to things. I, I read this kind of book or that kind of book. I listen to this kind of music or that kind of music. I associate with people who are in, into this particular activity or some other activity, and I'm I'm interested in all these things. But none of them... Can solve that problem, hmm. and uh, of, of of telling me where I actually fit in everything. Uh, usually, the things that I get involved in will offer some insight into that. Uh, almost anything can, but it's, it doesn't give you more than that. And so, I think that that's where the restlessness really comes from. Is uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I mean, in, in the songs, it comes up as, as the image of home all the time. Um, from way back in the second album, the song "One Day I Walk, One Day I Shall Be Home." I don't know what it means. And then there's a more recent song, you know, from the end of the '80s, that uh, says, "Never was clear where a home is, but it's nothing you can buy." You know, it's like uh, the there's there's a longing for something that that feels like home to me, and um, nothing, uh, you know, nothing really on this planet so far has felt like that, except for. My house, which I very rarely visit uh these days but but and and it feels like home because it's full of my stuff and it's like a you know it's like an eagle stroke of some kind to be in there but uh and it offers a comfort of of that sort, but it's specious it's not it's not that spiritual home either, so that um you know whatever that is i mean if I get to it in this life i'll be pretty friggin happy <laughs> but uh but, uh, uh but i don't necessarily expect to i i mean i kind of hope i do because i i'd like to go out feeling like i knew where i was going yeah but but that's also an aspect of fear too so uh, if i don't if i don't end up knowing that then so be it you know
1: uh bruce Coburn on the phone friday may 4th 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific vision tv you gotta watch pace in the cage uh I watched it this morning and it's really good. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm a fan. I hate to admit that because it's so un-Canadian, but I I'm a fan. And although I wasn't a fan back in the day, I think it was just too stupid to get you when I was younger. Of course, now now I'm much more much more intelligent. Um Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Juno Awards. Uh I I didn't watch them. I think I was down in LA uh at that point in time. Did you show up to pick it up? I did not.
3: I didn't watch them. I didn't even know they were on. Actually, uh, so I I was at a party. Actually, uh, 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 in San Francisco at a friend's place, and uh, and uh, Bernie sent me a, a congratulatory email, and and that was the first I heard about it. Yeah. I mean, I think I knew I was nominated, but I, but um, I didn't actually realize that the the journals were on when they were, and it was like, oh, hey, guess what, everybody, I just won an award. <laughs> You know, which that caused a little flutter of conversation that lasted 35 seconds and yeah. then we were back on to the regular stuff. <laughs>
1: oh man. Uh you spoke earlier about uh some books that you've read and you've hooked into this and you read about that. Um did you ever actually read The Shack, the guy Paul Young who who referred to you so many times in that book?
3: I did read it and I found it a very interesting book actually. uh not a perfect book. Yeah. No. But, uh, but a but a very I thought his take on the uh, the, the uh, how to articulate this. He, he articulated it better than I will. But the, the 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 relationship that God wants with us is a very personal one and a, and a, a very direct one. It's not it doesn't have mediators. It doesn't have buildings that, attached to it. Yeah. I mean, you can have all that stuff. It's not wrong. But the point is to have this this. Um, to have the sense of the divine in your heart i think and and to be able to converse back and forth and and that um i think i think he 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 sets up that picture really well yeah um really beautifully and that's the strength of the book Uh, i mean it's an interesting story too it's a it's an enjoyable read but
1: did you and paul ever get a chance to meet face to face
3: no, uh we have we we know some people in common and uh, you know there's been some sort of greetings ex- at, at arms length. Yeah. But uh but uh no.
1: Okay, well well he features in this in this doc uh, pacing the cage. Also Jackson Brown uh features in uh, in this documentary uh, pacing the cage. Now Jackson and you do you guys like you know go bowling every Friday night? I mean, have you had any relationship with Mr. Brown over the years?
3: Uh, yeah but not recently I, I haven't seen him for quite a few years now uh, uh, but through the through the 90s um and um i guess a little before and a little after uh, we ended up doing things um, you know various kind of things together mostly musically related obviously or maybe in, in, uh, nearly entirely that the first time i met him was uh, i was actually invited along with a group of other people to his house to hear a presentation on the Iran-Contra um, stuff, which at that point was still all about a bombing in Costa Rica that, that, that was an attempt to kill a, a Contra leader, which ended up killing an American journalist instead, uh, and then badly damaging another one, and, and in their attempt to find out who had done this, it, it, they exposed this whole Oliver North uh, uh, conspiracy involving arms for the Contra movement, and, and uh, the some very shady dealings with Iran and whatnot, and uh, this was, uh, uh, you know, this was something that Reagan pretended to know nothing about. But um, so that we 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 ended up at Jackson's house, and at that time he was married to Daryl Hannah. And uh, so we go, Bernie and I went, and we go to the door, and there's this beautiful woman that answers the door, who is Daryl Hannah, and and Jackson follows close behind, and. I didn't really know Jackson's music that well. I mean, I knew the hits to hear them, yeah. but I, I wasn't deep into his music. Hit, but I had seen lots of Daryl Hannah movies, and so, I, so I, I said to her, "Oh yeah, I really enjoyed you in all those movies and whatever." And you know, and, but I didn't have anything to say to Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so he's kind of standing there, shuffling, looking a little like, hmm, "Well, you're not saying anything to me." And I was, it was a kind of awkward moment, awkward. <laughs> but, but he turned out he, to be one of the most gracious people. And uh, and one of the people that that I uh, have met one of the one of not, I wouldn't say a few people but certainly one of the standout people I've met in the music scene who really puts his money where his mouth is and uh, has been um, you know ruled by his understanding of what what right action should be as much as as anybody I've ever seen and more than most. So, uh I have great respect for him and, and affection and I kind of wish I was uh more in touch with him.
1: Um do you think Bono
3: puts his money where his mouth is? I don't know. I don't know enough about Bono. I, I don't uh I, I mean he certainly does stuff. He's out there and he's 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 trying to do a thing with his his extremely high profile that uh, perhaps only someone with that kind of profile could do. Mhm. Which is to kind of hobnob with the power brokers and and uh, whatnot. I mean, in my limited experience of that sort of stuff, y- you never get beyond being a musician, right? You know, I mean, they'll they're glad to have you hanging around, but don't be bothering them with your opinions because <laughs> because uh, you're just a you know. It's like the birds had that song, you know. Don't forget what you are. You're just a rock and roll star. <laughs> and now whether that fits Bono I have no idea and I don't I don't mean to suggest that I think it does I, I, because when you're as famous as he is maybe that does change and when you're as articulate and and um, energetic as he appears to be uh, uh, maybe that changes too so I don't know but I, but I you know you got to give him credit for
1: trying what he thinks he can do uh, of course, I'm mentioning these names because they all feature in this doc, Pacing the Cage, uh, Vision TV, May 4th. Check it out. Uh, Jackson Brown, Paul Young, uh, Bono, uh, Brian Walsh, of course, uh, had the, this book on you. and Well, it was less on you and it was more on the theology of your lyrics. and. Uh, you know I Bernie had mentioned that that he you know he thought it was very well done um, i I don't know am I allowed to ask you if you thought it was very well done is that is that kosher
3: yeah, ask yeah I'll, you can ask I'll even give you a straight answer i, I yes, I think it's well done I, I think there are areas i think there's things in it that I don't agree with and uh, there are um, i mean uh, it's interesting for me to read because on the one hand very very few people have given me evidence that they've paid such deep attention to what I write. Hmm. And it's very complimentary and satisfying to kind of experience someone having done that. So that colors my view of the book, of course. But uh, but I think for the most part, he's, he's got it dead on. I mean, some of the things that he ascribes to, to my having made deliberate choices weren't so conscious on my part. You know, I just sort of wrote what I thought and I wasn't necessarily looking at the deeper meaning of it but um but but the deeper meaning is genuine nonetheless because these things you put certain ideas together and the and they you know the the cumulative effect is different from from each one by itself and um so you know he he notices that in ways that I don't but um but in the main I I, I think he's really got it nailed as as far as the the there's the references to, um, with the, let's say the Christian teaching, because there are lots of things in my songs that don't owe their origins to Christian teaching. That uh, I mean, even in the, I should say, just to specify, I'm not talking about if I had a rocket launcher, but uh, <laughs> but that, that uh, um, you know, songs that people would think of as spiritually oriented songs. Uh, there's a, a lot in there that I've learned from from Rumi or from from uh, the yoga teachings that I've studied are from other sources that uh, that I feel have offered me just as much as as my exposure to Christian teaching has. But it, but um, but as far as the Christian side of things goes, I, Brian's got it. So you know, it's, if anybody's interested enough to care about that stuff, they should they should uh, give that book a, a good look.
1: Definitely. I, I saw a clip in that DACA with you and Romeo Dallaire, and you were sitting at a table. You were at a conference. Obviously, there was Q and A, and you both uh, were there to speak on various things. But I, I maybe it was just me, but I, you actually looked like you were a giddy little child
3: sitting beside Romeo Dallaire. Well, that's because he's a very serious fellow, and I mean, he's he actually has a great sense of humor too. I don't mean to make him not look like that, but it, but, but yeah, I mean, he's a he's a heavyweight. He, he's He's the guy who's been through the ringer and come out of it in in some form intact. You know, I mean.
1: But you were you uh, were thrilled. Yeah. You were thrilled to be there with him. Was that was that the first time you had uh, sort of done something together?
3: Yeah, and, and so far the only time. Uh, although I'd be, I would welcome other opportunities, it just hasn't come up. Yeah. But uh, um, the um, uh, he's a guy that that I feel, felt. Tremendous respect for. I think I, I came across him first in the in the CBC documentary about his book, where which uh, is really a film of him going back to Rwanda for the first time after the, the uh, anniversary stuff that happened, and and uh, he's going back to testify. Uh, I I believe. Yes. Um, and um, the film is very moving, and and that put him on my radar. And then I read the book when I got had a chance to shake hands with the devil. And eventually saw the fictionalized movie, uh, the dramatic dramatic film about that too, which was pretty good considering,
1: because
3: mm-hmm. usually usually those kinds of movies don't do so well.
1: No, he he uh, told he told me he
3: thought it was fairly on. Yeah, I think it was. I I, I mean I would think too that you got, you know, a handsome, you know, actor like that who's, who happens to also be a pretty damn good actor, <laughs> uh, you know portraying you in a film that must feel pretty good yeah. too but uh but um, uh, anyway the, all of this stuff conspired and it was, so when I met him I was I was pretty tickled and and uh, uh very happy to be in his company and, and honored so you know it's uh i mean at that that particular event um, that you see in the film was a benefit that we were both involved in in Victoria um it, Toward the struggle to end the practice of using child soldiers, hmm. which he's very deeply involved in, um, and um, it—that uh, uh, I mean, I've been in, in some of the places or Mozambique where I've been a couple of times, actually, in connection with other issues, landmines, for one. Um, it was the place where child soldiers were first put to use that we know of anyway for in a big way in a systematic way. Right. Um, and when they proved to be effective there, that they, it caught on, like, you know, like a fashion rage among, uh, petty warlords of the world over, you know, it's like, Oh, look at, and uh, in Romeo's terms that uh, the, uh, it's a weapon system. I mean, you, you it's, some of the humanitarian groups have a hard time thinking of a group of children as a weapon system, but from the from the manipulator's point of view, that's what they are. Oh yeah. And and it's a very affordable weapon system. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, you you know just kidnap these kids and brutalize them until they do what you want, and you know give them drugs and guns and away they go. And uh, it's um, uh, it's a, it's all too effective and and the tragic uh, turn. That the world was taken so so um you know this is, this is a, a worthy struggle on his part and and um you know we don't say much about that in the film in, in a way it would would have been nice if perhaps we could have said more about that
1: well yeah but there, there are still lots i mean even romeo he's there was a line that came out of him that said uh, music reduces the friction between cultures as well as individuals or something like that and i you know he's he's an astute cat. He really is. Yes. We've had him on the show. I think I just called Romeo Delaire cat. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think he's okay with that. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, he's been on our show a couple of times, and um, you know we all know Romeo Delaire has shaken hands with the devil. It's one of the reasons he believed in a god when he shook hands with the devil. That's the big line. Uh, is Bruce Coburn ever shaken hands with the devil? Do you have any any sort of scenario where you have come across that sort of evil?
3: Nobody I knew... I mean, I don't know who I've met that did what, really. I mean, how do any of us know? But uh, none... I've never been in a situation where I was uh, forced to deal, you know, on an ongoing basis with with such uh, malice. What about music executives? (laughs) Well, their evil pales by comparison, but uh, I mean, the... (laughs) The, uh, even the evil ones, and I'm not sure I've even met any of those. I mean, you you meet guys that you... I, I've met guys that I'm absolutely sure were mafia-connected, but they were nice to me, okay. and I didn't see them doing anything bad, so I don't really know that. I mean, i I got to give them the benefit of doubt because I don't have evidence okay. where, other than my own gut feeling that, that these guys were anything other than the way they presented themselves. But, but you know, you know you've met bullies in your life. It does. It's not hard to... I'm not talking about record people now. I'm talking about just in general, like that, you know, the, the vibe that you get from the schoolyard bully when you're a kid no. is a vibe that, that you, it's not hard to find in the world among, when you meet adults and you, you, uh, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's an act. Sometimes it's a, it's a soldier or somebody else who, for reasons, maybe good reasons, has to put on a kind of a posture of toughness and hardness. Hmm. But sometimes it's it's not an act, and so, you know you meet people that are that are willing to do really bad things to other people, and they don't really care what anybody thinks about it, uh, uh, as long as it doesn't come back on them. Right. And and so that evil, I mean, essentially, that's the same evil that that uh, that Romeo Dallaire was talking about, except he met it in a, in one of the vilest personifications that you could meet, and uh, I've been spared that, so.
1: Well, I don't know. We'll we'll finish with this, uh, Bruce. Once again, you've just you've been so gracious and, and generous with your time. Uh, uh, I think it was six years ago uh, when we first had you on the show. Actually, I was listening to the interview this week, and I thought, man, I was. I think I was awestruck because I was all Mister Mellow, and I had no personality. And I thought, T-C-. <laughs> you know, I don't know when it was you sort of became this freak show on the guitar, like when you became Phil Kagey of Canada. Um, but you know you've come a long way from that beat-up guitar in your grandmother's attic. Uh, I remember watching uh, Steve Miller up at Casino Rama a couple of years ago, and he was just showing off. He had like 37 guitars on stage. Um, what what's your t- top two axes that you have?
3: The guitars that I use uh, live and and most of the time, you know, for everything uh, are made by Linda Manzer. I have a couple of Manzer 6-strings and a Manzer 12-string. Um, those, are, those are the main ones. I mean, I have a fair number of others, maybe a dozen guitars altogether, but, uh, including some electric ones. But um, for acoustic guitars, for, for what I mostly do, um, my, my Manzers are, are the guitars of choice.
1: Well, I have. Uh, I guess I've just kind of fallen in love with your your music. Every uh, August, I take the month off and I go up to the cottage and I unplug, and um, and you've kept me uh, you know, company. You know, you've been amazing company for me in my in my solitude and my processing of this God stuff. As a matter of fact, we're in the process of uh, of putting together a, a television product down in L.A., and I, I am pitching as hard as I can to have one of your songs as uh, as our. Our cover song for the show. Um, that sounds great. Well, you know, uh, at least I can give back a little bit somehow, some way. So, um, but thank you. You know, I don't want to get all mushy here because that's just weird, but geez, man, thanks.
3: <laughs> well, it's been nice talking to you, of course. And, and uh, so, yeah, I hope we get to do it again. I hope so, Bruce. Thanks, mate. All right, thank you. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Bruce Coburn on The Drew Marshall Show. Was I fawning? No. Good. Yes. One of the most beautiful songs of his, right here, right now. Lots more coming up on the Drew Marshall Show. Stay with us.
2: Sunset is an angel weeping Holding out a bloody sword No matter how I squint, I cannot Make out what it's pointing toward. Sometimes you feel like you've lived too long. Days drip slowly on the page. You catch yourself facing the cage. Proven who I am so many times. The magnetic strips warmth, and everyone was taken in. Powers chatter in high places, stir up eddies in the dust. Of I never knew what you all want.
0: maybe you've been thinking about advertising your organization on the radio but don't really have the budget for a long-term marketing campaign Well, what if we gave you a show? The Drew Marshall Show is currently offering an innovative advertising concept for the small business owner or charity. With web stats and listenership at an all-time high, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show is offering you an opportunity to partner with us one show at a time. Consider sponsoring one show and we'll introduce you to our listening audience for the day. Drew will mention your organization every hour during our four-hour show, including a live phone interview. We'll also post your logo and website link on our website for an entire month. If you're thinking about promoting a special event, product, or upcoming sale, or if you just want to test the radio advertising waters without a huge investment, then consider becoming a one-day advertising partner with The Drew Marshall Show. Go to drewmarshall.ca for details or call Joy 1250 on 905-845-2821, extension 367. That's 905-845-2821, extension 367.